0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Showcase. I'm your host, Parrish Jackson. On today's episode, I wanted to dive in a little bit on the teams that I did not discuss last week, but I did go ahead and make predictions on at the beginning of the season. And for that reason, I wanted to just take a step back and talk about mainly the Eastern Conference because that's the one that's had the developments this week as far as bringing back Kyrie. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Showcase. Eastern Conference is now getting a little bit more situated and set. We still have about, you know, obviously 10 teams that can make the playoffs. That doesn't change from week to week, and it's nothing new. Five teams are quickly eliminating themselves, and the Eastern Conference actually looks to be a little bit more, I would say, intact than its Western counterpart. So, you know, really today, I kind of want to just focus on some different props and plays that you could make going into the season but I also wanted to touch on the various stats and rankings that I thought were going to be the case by now so when I originally put together the records for every team and where they were going to be at this point in the season you know I candidly didn't think that COVID was going to impact the league in the way that it did I don't think anybody Really saw that coming because if you did, you know, share with me your crystal ball. But, you know, the league has had an all-time high number of players at 580 that have went ahead and took the court this year, which is pretty significant if you think about it. Like on average, year to year, you'll have about 400 players take the court. And we've gone ahead and increased that by 50%. With all these COVID 10 days, the two ways, the extension of the guarantees, things like that, which is pretty significant if you really think about how, you know, this all came together and the impact of COVID, how that works on rotations. I mean, you had Trey Young saying, hey, I came to a game, basically didn't know anybody that was on the court during warmup. I mean, obviously COVID has been, you know severely impacting many areas of life and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Uh, but just 580 different players taking the court, you know, I, myself, I've, I've, you know, view myself as a pretty avid basketball watcher and I have to look at the court and be like, who the heck is that guy? Is that Bismack Biombo starting for the Suns at the center spot? Like why is Justin Jackson suiting up for them? It's like kind of crazy. It's musical chairs when it comes to these players. Nevertheless, I did make, you know, obviously a prediction for each and every team as they entered the season on where I thought that they were going to end up when it was all said and done. And I'm ready to go ahead and look back because we've made it through that December month, right? That first third of the season to kind of look back and look at those different teams and see how far off I was uh, from where I had predicted them to start. So... At the bottom of the Eastern Conference bracket, you have the Detroit Pistons, who I had them through the month of December finishing 12 and 22. Now, as of December 31st or the 1st, whatever you want to do, cuz they only played one more game, they were 5 and 28. Which isn't super far off, but it, they only got half as many wins as I expected them to. And that's really because they lost Jeremy Grant due to a thumb injury. Obviously, COVID has done its piece as well. Uh, they But they actually just don't put up the same amount of defensive effort that they did last year, hands down. I mean, if you look at their defensive statistics from last year versus this year, I think you get about a 10 point differential when overall the league is down in scoring. That's pretty significant. And in so Detroit's at the bottom of the bracket, no surprises there. The magic on the flip side were spot on exactly where I thought they were. They finished December seven and 29 and I had them seven and 30. I must've miscounted a game or maybe they got one postponed more likely. Um, And that's because this team has been in a rebuild phase since Dwight Howard left, arguably. Like, you look at the team and the moves they've made since that, you know, 2009 season where he took them to the finals somehow, and this team has never really had much success. Yeah, they've had a couple of first-round exits, but last year, if you recall, they blew it up, right? They shipped Vucevic off to Chicago, they've shipped Aaron Gordon off to Denver, and they shipped Evan Fournier off to off to New York by way of Boston. So 7-29, and 29, that's exactly where I thought they were going to be. I wish they did third of the season bets because I would have hit that one spot on. The next team that's at the bottom as far as the standings go that I'm a little bit surprised at is the Indiana Pacers. Through December 31st, they were 14-22. and 22. They've gone on a three-game losing streak to start the season or start the year here, the 2022 calendar year. But I had them at 19-17. and 17 through that month of December, uh, which isn't a whole lot better than what they are currently at at 14 and 22. But the problem for the Pacers is that they have an inability to close out games. That is glaring in the way that they cannot generate offense. They cannot depend on their, their quote unquote star players to even hit free throws, let alone run an effective offense in the clutch. Uh, You know, you look at that Knicks game from I believe it was last week, like Thursday, um, potentially at the weekend. But, you know, they had gotten it where it was, you know, they were down significantly. They came back. It was a four point game with about four minutes left. They were up and New York went on a 14 to three run to close out the game and ended up winning by 10. You know, and that's against a team that's below 500, who's not an offensive superpower. But that's the case for the Pacers across these games. Like, if you look at, you know, where the Pacers end up finishing a lot of these games, they blow it late in the fourth. They're able to stay competitive. But when it comes to, you know, the clutch, the Pacers are not able to keep up. And it could be they don't have, you know, great guards, you know, with Malcolm Brogdon missing some time and. Um, obviously COVID Chris Duarte has been a a gold spot for them at you know the guard position but he's only a rookie he can only do so much you know having Rick Carlisle come in was supposed to be the solution for this Pacers team and it just hasn't been right like I I don't think changing the coach has changed anything the Pacers have mentioned that they're wanting to blow it up and you know basically hit the reset button ship off some of their bigger pieces in so much that they become a giant trade rumor mill uh with you know offers for Sabonis and offers for Miles Turner and all, even offers for you know Malcolm Brogdon and his horrible contract being circulated around the rumor mill. You know, we're about a month out I think to the day, you know, recording this on Friday the 7th. We're about a month out before the trade deadline, so I think we have some time, you know, before a lot of these crystallize and we've already seen one move with the Cavs and Rondo and everything like that. So the Pacers' future is TBD. They've mentioned they're rebuilding. You know, if they maybe go on a rebuild or a winning streak, they might, you know, rebalance and and reconfigure and and not necessarily lean towards rebuild right away. But it, I predict that they're going to continue to slide. And uh, you know, fourteen and twenty two, or or nineteen and and seventeen. You know, one. Record would have been above 500. Maybe they would have been singing a different tune. But the reality of the situation is this wasn't a championship contending team anyway. So we knew it. Uh, Next up in the standings, another surprise team is Atlanta here. Atlanta has been absolutely detrimental at home. They've also been one of the worstly ransacked teams as far as COVID goes. They are also coming off a surprise Eastern Conference run where, you know, I mentioned this before, Trey Young says, you know, we went from being the hunters to the hunted, right? And teams know that when they come to town to expect a good fight, you know, and the really the story of the Hawks is as long as the rest of the team doesn't beat you, let Trey Young cook, right? And, and I can point to the most recent example of the game against the Blazers the other day, no Dame, no CJ. Anthony Simons of all people puts up forty points, right? Anthony Simons has shown some potential for the Blazers over the over his couple of years in the season. I believe he's only like 21 at this point, even though he's is in his third or fourth year in the league. Um he's one of those with like a late birthday, so he so he turns older later. But <clears throat> Trey Young had fifty-six points and fourteen dimes, and the Blazers were still able to pull out a win, which tells me no defense. Right. And it doesn't necessarily matter what Trey Young does because the rest of the team is beatable and vulnerable. They have a terrible record on the road. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta misses the playoffs. Now, mind you, I last week I was talking about how I I felt confident that they can win the division. They're not in the greatest division as far as the competition goes. Right the hornets, the heat, the magic, the wizards, like none of these teams are really blowing you away, right? You you think the heat would, but they've had so many injuries and and have been so up and down this season, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Even though they're 23 and 13, you know, I, this whole division is is not impressive this year, right? It's it's arguably the weakest division in the east right like you know i, I do pause there because i'm looking at you know some various other factors but atlanta man <laughs> gotta pull it together there gotta pull it together for sure get some defense and uh you know get that turnaround that that'll hopefully net me that um uh, division winning ticket though every day they slide a little bit further away from overtaking the heat which makes it tougher next up we got toronto who had a couple of games postponed but uh i had them at 15 and 20 through this point in the game and they were 15 and 17 through december they're exactly who i thought they were they were scrappy they're on pace to get their 37 wins for the season so that'll be fantastic but 15 and 17 through december 31st and uh you know it's just been great to see for them. A lot more scrappier than I thought. I think they're getting some wins in some surprise places. They're also getting some losses in some surprise places. So luckily, I didn't have to pick every game exactly right. I just picked the record. But even still, a um, little bit of a surprise there. Tied for ninth are these two teams. And both of them are having a letdown season. And both of them are a little further off than I thought they were. Would be. Uh, first up, Celtics. They were 17 and 19 through December, and the other one would be the Knicks, who were 17 and 19. Um, the Knicks, not surprisingly, their record is exactly where I thought it would be. They regress towards the mean. They come down off the mountain they had built for themselves last season, and the hype that surrounds Knicks basketball anytime they show a, a inkling of being good. Boston, Boston, man, like. I know that they got some good pieces in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I know they're a young duo and we want to give them time. They're not so much my problem as is the rest of the roster. The rest of the roster is terrible. The rest of the roster is terrible. It's a bunch of draft picks, mid range draft picks, which unfortunately is a consequence of the success they had. Right. Cause obviously, the more you're a contender and the more you're in playoffs, the worse draft odds you get, and the, the odds of you finding a diamond in the rough are zero. I think, you know, in 2008, um, 2003 to 2008, when Danny Ainge <clears throat> was taking over the Celtics and led them to the championship run, they actually calculated the odds of finding a starter in the 11 to 20 range, and it was less than 1% of drafting a starter basically after the 11th position. Now I know we refer to guys up to the 15th as lottery picks, but the odds according to historical data up to, you know, that point in in mid 2000s was less than 1% to find a starter and it shows I think here on this Celtics team, right? Like when you look at the picks and who they've gotten through draft, you know, free agency wasn't really successful for them. This roster is is bad. Is is bad. It's bad. Right. I think you downgraded from Kimba Walker to Dennis Schroeder and start in terms of, you know, overall potential. Um, and even then Schroeder's not really taking the court. Right. Marcus Smart. We kind of get who he is by now. Right. The, the Williams, both of them, Grant and Robert show flashes, but nothing to really, you know, sustain any heavy success. Al Horford is clearly, you know, on the the other side of his prime uh to say it nicely Peyton Pritchard you know has flashes but he's at best relegated to an eighth man position ninth tenth on on the roster in the role so you know I had high hopes for Boston um but really they're three games off of where I'd projected them and they'll probably continue to slide if you had to ask uh if I had to wager um So that takes care of the bottom seven. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and do the top eight. (laughs) All right. Up next, we have the Wizards. Who are actually doing a lot better than I had predicted. I had them through December at 12 and 24, and the Wizards have actually come through for an eight and seven, 18 and 17 record, despite sliding quite a bit. Um, you know, granted they had a few players out, COVID, blah 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 blah. Same thing, same story for every every team. You know, Crimea River at this point, injuries are part of the game. Um, but you know. From projecting them at twelve and twenty-four, they're obviously six games better than that at this point with one one postponement. So hats off to them. I think what's really contributing to the success is they they won the Re- Russell uh, this name Russell Westbrook trade. Name gets me every single time. You know if if anybody needs a tongue twister or you're bored or whatever, try saying Russell Westbrook five times fast and see if you don't sound like Elmer Fudd. I say it all the time. Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. Wabbit, silly wabbit. You know what I mean? Um, I got to get that out, whatever. But <clears throat> the point is, the Russell Westbrook move with Washington, where they brought in Montrez Harrell, who has been out recently with COVID, and that's maybe contributing to the, to the slide, brought in KCP, brought in Kyle Kuzma and really it's been Kuzma right I think Kuzma has shown night and day differences between his play in Los Angeles to the point where you know he's clapping back at Twitter at at people that were making fun of him when they're posting his game winners and his 33 point games and he's become a really valuable piece um they also acquired Spencer Dinwiddie in the off season who is quietly having a pretty good season as well and then of course you have the star and and what the Wizards have been impressive, you know, they've gone toe to toe with a lot of teams, a lot of top contending teams, you know, they had the the game that came down to the wire against the Bulls. And I've been impressed with the Wizards. Uh, They had a hot, hot start where they were the three seed for a while uh, and have slid, you know, at this point in time down to eighth, which is more so them regressing to the mean. But that doesn't mean that they can't have a hot, you know, uh, 2022 and, and find their way into it you know, out of the play-in game and into, you know, just the regular old playoffs without needing to earn a spot. Hornets are another team that have kind of been surprising as well. I thought they were going to come down a lot harder. I had them 11-24 based on their schedule. They're actually eight wins better than that at 19-17, and 17, so they're over 500. Um, LaMelo Ball has continued to be fantastic. I think Mikael Bridges also... Took a giant step up this year to the point where, through this point in the season, he's a he's a top candidate for most improved player. James Borrego keeps t- continues to team continues to coach this team very effectively. Kelly Oubre is playing way better than he was in Golden State, and you have <clears throat> a bunch of pieces coming together to make this Hornets team great. You also have Gordon Hayward, who's managed to stay healthy. I think anytime that happens, the team is much better. And Gordon Hayward, as always, I'm going to say this, is one of those players that goes under the radar because people forget who he was in Utah, right? People forget that he was balling in Utah, went to Boston, got a really unlucky break, no pun intended, and then had to find his way on this Hornets team. And then last year, of course, dealt with some injury as well. And this year has managed to stay healthy, has managed to stay on the court. And look, the Hornets are above 500 and and doing quite well at this point. They'll continue to do well. They play teams tough. I think you're also getting a lot better decision-making down the stretch from LaMelo Ball. You know, I think last year and even, you know, the first portion of this season, you see down to the wire, LaMelo Ball playing hero ball, launching up threes, long twos, um, especially when the team would be down, like, you know, multiple possessions with three or less minutes to go. You would see LaMelo Ball just launching Threes, step back threes, ISO moves, like stuff that maybe you could get away with at a lower level uh, where, you know, you can get a steal. But in the NBA, like that is just not going to win you games like you're going to need to run your sets and, and be a lot more efficient in that those stretches. So as he continues to clean up his game, I think you'll see this Hornets team really, really start to cement themselves. Uh, but they're right around where they should be right with this seventh seed um through the through the month of December and you know and that's where it is next team up who I expected actually to be a lot better was is Philly right i had them projected at 23 and 13 they are currently sitting at 19 and 16 so it's only four games um but when i had drawn these i had fully expected ben simmons to rejoin the team and for them to not struggle out of the gates as much I would say you know I think they're they still are losing the games that I had circled in the calendar for them to lose But they're also losing some games where you know it comes down to a, a couple of buckets here and there or you know and then of course they had the long stretch without Embiid again Crimea River everybody has problems injuries that type of stuff so they're only slightly behind where I had them projected um the next team up in the standings here, so we are now looking at the fifth seed through the month of December, is Cleveland. Cleveland, I had them 12 and 25. I thought they were going to be highly competitive, uh, which they have been, but ultimately dropped the ball when it comes time to close out these games. And they've been surprisingly fun. They have a great rookie and Evan Mobley is likely going to win rookie of the year at, at minus 125, as you bet it today. They've had a little bit of turbulence at the guard position, which makes sense why they brought in Rondo, right? They lost Ricky Rubio. They lost Colin Sexton. Um, you know, they have had some players out with COVID. I think the Laurie marketing trade from Chicago has worked out for them. Them acquiring Jared Allen to complement Evan Mobley has also worked out with them. Uh, Kevin Love also is feeling the pressure of the clock, but also feeling the joy of playing on a team that's above 500 again. Um, you know, unfortunately, they did go on a little bit of a skid to close out December, losing the last five out of six. Um, you know, and, and have carried that on into the new year. But nevertheless, I mean, Cleveland has been this year's, I would say, league pass team that I like just turning on to watch how they play other teams. So I think it's always going to be competitive and come down to the wire. Um, and it's just been fun to watch. So if you get an opportunity to watch Cleveland, please do so. I think there may be a little bit of conspiracy in place given that the All-Star game is in Cleveland. So I find it weirdly convenient that, the All Star Game is in Cleveland, and now Cleveland is doing pretty well. That's for another day, you know. Conspiracy P will have to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, and then the next four teams are, I think, are the the teams that we all thought were going to be at the top at this point, right? You had the Heat at twenty three and thirteen, and we had them projected at thirty and seven. So that actually, but that makes sense given how many players that they've been missing. Milwaukee. I had them at also at 30 and seven for the top spot. Again, another team that's been missing a few players, especially out of their big three. Um, so they're at 24 and 13 through this point, Chicago is surprisingly a bit better than I had expected them. I had expected them at 18 and 19, but, uh, they were 23 and 10 through this point. And then the nets at the number one spot, um, They have had a couple of games postponed, but I had them at 10 losses and they were at 10 losses. So, you know, of all the teams that uh, I had predicted, you know, I had about a third of them spot on. I had a third of them under and I had a third of them over. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think that's pretty good for, you know, not being able to have a, a completely clear crystal ball where I can just see the future to be able to predict these teams in the way that they are now at this point now there have been a couple of changes since in the past week obviously since where these standings are out and uh, we'll of course go over them a little bit closer to the last day of February next time so that you know we don't have to play jump around but you know the the standings as it is today is Chicago with the number one seed they've went ahead and reclaimed it over Brooklyn. Um, who has the two seed, then you have Milwaukee, Miami, Philly, Cleveland, Toronto, Charlotte, Washington, New York, Boston, Atlanta, Indiana, Detroit, and then Orlando. So if you actually stop the season today, your teams out would be Boston, Atlanta, Indiana, Detroit, Orlando, Your play in game would be 9 10 against, so it'd be Washington against New York playing for a chance to play the loser of Toronto and Charlotte to go into the playoffs. You'd have Chicago hosting the winner of that game. You'd have Brooklyn hosting the winner of the second game. You'd have Milwaukee taking on Cleveland, you'd have Miami taking on Philly. Like I think these would be dope matchups if the playoffs started today. Uh, but fortunately for the teams that are out, like Boston, Atlanta, Indiana, they have a chance to get back in. And uh, you know, for teams like Cleveland, Toronto, and Charlotte who are on the cusp, they have their work cut out for them to either move up and and take the play in spot or playoff spot and uh, hold on to what they have switching gears a little bit. I know last week we talked about the division champs and this this week the odds are pretty much exactly the same. The heat have solidified their position a little bit in the southeast. I don't think, you know, making any bets there would make any sense. The Bucks have slid a little bit as the favorite to win The Central Division, uh, they're minus 185 now, and the Bulls are plus 104. So that is down from where they were at last week. So if you didn't get a chance to bet it then, you could still bet the Bulls for plus money now, who are still in the lead and look to have a bit of an easier schedule uh, over this January-February time. And, wow, for some reason those are the only divisions that are popping up, probably because Brooklyn is so far ahead of Philly Um, It just wouldn't make any sense to allow people to bet on that at this point. Uh, Taking a step further than that, if you look at the conference champions and who's going to come out of the East, I think you had a couple of plays here that you can make make sense, given obviously the odds and, you know, what you're looking at from. A return standpoint versus the favorite right so the far and away favorite right now is the Brooklyn Nets at plus 130 which even though that it's plus money they got the big three the the Kyrie no home game thing that might be a little bit tough to navigate so I probably wouldn't do that one right um, and then looking on the other side of it you have the Magic the Pistons the Raptors the Pacers all over plus 10,000. Like none of those teams are even in the playoffs as it stands. Um, same goes for Boston at plus 2,500. They're a long, long shot. Same with Atlanta, right? So let's take all those long shots out and look at what we have left, right? Cleveland at plus 6,000. I don't think they're there yet. They just don't have the pieces. I think we can also eliminate Washington and the Knicks, Uh Again, they don't have the pieces. In a seven-game series, they're not going to beat these tough teams. So really it boils down to – you can also take Charlotte out of there if I haven't mentioned them already. It boils down to these four teams. You have the Bucks at plus 300. You have the Heat at plus 550. You have the Sixers at plus 1,000. And you have the Bulls at plus 1,100. At this point, between the five teams, right, the Nets, the Bucks, the Heat, the Sixers, and the Bulls, I think for the money at plus 1100, if you bet the bulls right now, I'm not mad at it, right? That's five to win 55 to come out of the East. I think it is a long shot. I don't think it's obviously the shoe in. I th- I think if you're looking for a little bit more of a safer bet, you'd probably bet the bucks or the heat at plus 300 to go ahead and win. Uh, and so to put that in, you know, easy, easy math for you, if you bet, 100 bucks, you win a thousand on the Bulls. If you bet 100 bucks on the Bucks, you win 300. If you bet 100 bucks on the Heat, you win 550. So even if you took all three bets and basically you're betting against the Nets and the Sixers in the playoffs and rooting on the other teams to make it, which I think is reasonable, right? That's something that because of the arbitrage. I would do right. Like I would go ahead and put down this three hundred dollars on this Bulls Bucks Heat on one of those teams to make it to the finals this this year. Two of them made it in the past two years. You know, for those of you that have been keeping score, the Bucks won the championship last year, and the Heat went to the bubble championship. Right with relatively similar teams to what they have now and the Heat have only gotten better as far as the pieces that they brought in you know upgrading Gordon Drogic to Kyle Lowry and you know developing Tyler Hero more and of course you know the Spolstra coaching is as potent as ever the Bucks have maintained a championship team and the Bulls have been this surprise team that we don't necessarily know how far they can go. So, with that being said, I think the prudent thing here would be to bet these three teams to go ahead and come out of the East. So, those are my official, official plays. I'm gonna bet all three of them. Basically, if the Bucks come out, you win a hundred bucks betting a hundred, right? Because obviously you lose the other two tickets. If the Bulls come out, you win freaking nine hundred bucks, and if the Heat come out, you win three hundred and fifty bucks. So you know, put a hundred bucks on each one. You're putting in 300, hoping that one of these three teams come out of the East. Um, but I think out of these three, it's going to be one of them. That is my December take. I've taken it to the grave. And, uh, you know, if you cash your ticket, please, please send it my way. We are reviving the Bucks baby video from last year when they went toe to toe with the Nets and won that pivotal game Seven. We're reviving that for this year, and we're just basically rooting against the Nets for this year. Even though, um, you know, I do think the Nets have a lot of chal- talent, um, and maybe they'll go ahead and, and and slip a little bit, and there'll be a point where we can make make it make sense to bet on them. But I'm taking all three of these tickets straight to the bank. Take it with me. Uh, and as always, thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe at PJ Showcase on Twitter and Instagram. We're giving out daily picks every single day. Uh, thank you as always for listening, and uh, until we talk next time, bye bye.